Hello, 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 and welcome back to an all-new episode of The Darius Show. For today's episode, we're going to be covering the newest installment to the Star Wars universe, and that is Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney+. I have middling opinions on this series. There's a lot of moments that I think are insane that they even made it to the TV screen. Like, it's insane that they were able to get away with putting that out. And there's also a lot of moments that I think are in, like, my top 10 moments of all of Star Wars. So... This was definitely a mixed bag. I'm excited to dive right into it. So without further ado, let's roll that intro and get right into it. It's the Darius Show, y'all already know. Drop your booty to the floor, come give me some more. It's the Darius Show. It's the Darius Show. So Kenobi is really an interesting one as a series. Because when you look at the overall arc of the series, on paper, there's not honestly that much that actually happens. Uh, episode to episode, plot progression, there's there's not that many uh, things that are really happening in this series. It doesn't really leave our characters in many different directions than it really starts us in. So in a way, it can kind of feel like this series was wasted. Now, I, I don't fully feel that way because especially in the very last episode... This show really landed on its feet. Its strongest themes were really, it made everything worthwhile because the way that they tied everything up uh, really validated the purpose of the series even existing. And that is for that final character dynamic with Vader and Anakin and Obi-Wan. Of course, we're going to dive into that part a little bit later. <clears throat> but for now, I actually want to highlight some things that I didn't feel great about. And then I'll talk, I'll end the conversation on the things that I really liked about this series. So if you, like myself, were on the internet at all having any conversation about Obi-Wan, you have already been exposed to some of the criticisms to some of the things that they chose to do in this season. There's a little bit of cheesy writing, some sloppy continuity at points, and overall just some scenes that feel like they needed a couple more uh, takes before they got to where they need to be, especially for a series that's honoring such an iconic character to such an iconic franchise. Of course, in episode, I believe it's episode one, when Leia's running away for some people that are trying to capture her, and the chase scene is just silly. And in those first episodes, there's also just some overall silliness in the dialogue with Leia. I do overall think that the actress, the child actress they have to play her, her 10-year-old self, is doing a very good job overall. But in the first episode, she doesn't quite connect. It feels like the dialogue that she's delivering is just too mature for the character that she's supposed to be at this point. I get that they're showing that Leia is super capable and and uh, whatever at such a young age. However, I think there's a way to do it without it feeling forced. It feels just too, too aggressively in the direction of something that a kid wouldn't say. I think there's a way to pull that off a little bit more seamlessly. That being said, the introduction to Leia as a character, even being in the series, was a great surprise. The trailer showed Luke, and so everyone, you know, kind of figured that Luke was going to be more so the focus of the series. But pretty much right away, we deviate, we zigzag from that and go right into Leia's plot, and we get a lot more fleshing her character out, her early life especially. And I really enjoyed that. You know, it's not like we're going to get any more scenes with that character, with Carrie Fisher being passed away. But this girl, I think, embodied the essence of Leia fairly well. And, you know, for as well as a child can execute this role, especially towards the back half, I do think it was really well done. Her dialogue was pretty quippy and a little bit more believable towards the end. 
Tala was an interesting character that they introduced in the season as well. Uh, she was somebody who was uh, helping Obi-Wan throughout the middle run of the series. And she basically had been undercover working for the, the, the Empire uh, under their nose, even though she's been a Jedi supporter the whole time. Now, to be undercover like that, she's had to make some sacrifices to her moral code and actually do a bit of damage. So she regrets those decisions, and now vows to spend the rest of her life doing what she can to help the Jedi and the Jedi way overall. Uh, when we meet her in the series, she's accompanied by an interesting droid who has a stature just as big as a human stature and does not deliver any voice lines. This droid immediately stuck out to me. <laughs> he was like really charming. I really like it when Star Wars can introduce a new droid that has like a unique flavor to him and, you know, kind of bring something to the table. It's one of the more um it's one of the core ingredients to any Star Wars story is to have a cool droid within company. He was really cool when they introduced him and he was cool when he made a sacrifice uh, towards the end of the season, but he really didn't have too much to do. He was an interesting type of droid, and I think they should have sh given him a little bit more attention, a little bit more play uh, to mess around with going on over there. As for Tala herself, I was really enjoying her. Uh, I thought that she was a cool character to introduce, and I was excited to see how she might uh, maybe play within the Star Wars mythos moving forward. However, she did sacrifice herself in a very silly way, in my opinion. Uh, she basically stayed behind with a big grenade to take her and the enemies that were chasing everybody out together. However, the way that they shot it, it really feels to me like she didn't have to stay behind. It feels like there was plenty of time for her to start the grenade and throw it behind her and get to safety with everyone else. There's one way I, I saw this read on someone's Twitter that in that moment she was really kind of like killing herself as retribution for all the trouble that she's caused in the past. And in that in that point of view, okay, I can kind of see that. But in that, if that is true, it's kind of on the fault of the team that put it together because that's not abundantly clear whatsoever. <clears throat> I know that that is a small critique, but for a character that was really cool up until that point, I think that they were better off keeping her alive to explore her character to some capacity later down the road, even if it's in just a small way. Uh, and for them to kill her off the way they did, I wish that they at least gave her a stronger, more meaningful sacrifice towards the end instead of what we got turned in. Kumail Nanjiani makes an appearance in the series as a fake Jedi. He basically has a scam going on where he uses electronics to kind of trick people into thinking that he's a Jedi. And then he offers them counsel, sometimes beneficial, sometimes not quite uh, for money in exchange for money. He is played up for laughs pretty much the whole time he's used in the series. I really enjoyed him. Kumail Nanjiani kind of doesn't miss with the humor for me. He <clears throat> could definitely be read as wasted time on screen because all of his scenes are fairly filler and he doesn't do anything to impact the overall story too aggressively. There's nothing that his character did that anybody else couldn't have done. Uh, that being said, it doesn't feel like wasted time because his humor is so on point and it brings just enough levity to the scene that it feels warranted. Uh, it's interesting because there's a lot of other characters that don't translate too well in the series. A lot of the side characters, they get lost in the fluff. And Kumail Nanjiani, even though his role was way less pivotal than anyone's, he's arguably one of the least important characters at all in this series. Um, he still feels like not wasted time on screen. I, I enjoy it every time that they choose to feature him within it. 
and he lives through this. So I think that he could pop up on some cool Star Wars story down the line, you know, something like a Rogue One situation where you have like a group of people that come from different corners of the Star Wars universe to work together to do I don't know what. But if they if they did something like that, I would I would really enjoy to see Kamel Nanjiani rejoin some type of cast out here in the Star Wars mythos. All right, now that I've kind of covered my basis with a lot of the more side characters, let's dive into the big chungi wongies of this season. The big three, we'll call it. Uh, I'll definitely start with Riva here. Riva, played by Moises Ibram, she was really awesome to me. Uh, at first, when they introduced her in the first like couple episodes, you know, she was just the big tough guy, you know, the foot soldier. You know, I felt like there she wasn't bringing anything to the table that I hadn't seen before, other than the fact that she came across very visually striking, kind of being reminiscent of like a Darth Vader Jr. in her overall getup. Her motivation this season is to she is an Inquisitor, which their overall goal is to capture Jedi in general. But her true her goal personally is to capture Obi-Wan Kenobi and serve him up on a platter to Darth Vader. What we find out later on is that she's doing this so she can get close enough to Vader to pull off a secret assassination. The reason this is is because she actually was one of the younglings that was a part of Order 66 on their kill order. She watched Anakin kill all her friends and family at the time and attempt to kill her. She managed to survive but she remembered that so deeply that she used as motivation to grow within the empire to eventually take out anakin himself her attempt we find out is unsuccessful in the end but the overall character that they deliver here her level of grit her her unashamed like almost animalistic fury uh and that drives her she was she came across as a big surprise and by episode three or four you know just being online checking in with people that are also watching the series i had seen the prediction that she was gonna be uh, she was gonna turn out to be a a youngling herself and that was a great reveal i kind of wish i didn't see that coming but i wouldn't have saw that coming myself but that was a great development for her especially considering the opening scene of this series is uh, checking into the Order 66 and actually following some kids' points of view throughout that. So that had a strong impact when they kind of tied that all together and made that full circle. Her fight with Vader towards the end of the series in the second to last episode, it wasn't the craziest battle I've seen. There was definitely not any fancy uh, waving the lightsabers around or anything like that. But the fight scene they had was well choreographed. It, there was, it wasn't like she put up a really great fight. She actually did very poorly against Vader. But the choreography of that scene, the way that he managed to stay in control while giving her some shiny moments to show that she is a fairly valid fighter here, worked really well. When she just tried to run up on him and swinging it at him, that was so stupid because, of course, Vader's going to catch you in the act. I mean, that was just silly. But uh, she did. the threat that she posed was very strong, for sure. At the very end, she has like a come uh, come to truth kind of moment where she finally kind of decides to leave all this anger aside and kind of come to the light side. And it seems like she's emotionally open for a redemption arc. So I don't know where that's going to leave her, but I know they wouldn't introduce this character and have her live the way that she did if they weren't going to use her again. She is fairly strong, even though she couldn't put up a big fight against Darth Vader. She's definitely one of the more skilled force users we've seen so i would be i would be excited to see her in a future property as well 
you know, maybe she teams up with uh, Kumail Nanjiani and they run around and take care of something. I don't know. I could see that happening. Buddy comedy, something like that. Ewan McGregor definitely did an excellent job bringing his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi back to life. He was very consistent throughout the series. In the first few episodes, there wasn't too much for him to do. He was very much so just kind of a bystander and everything. He conveyed well how down on his luck he was after all the events of the prequels. Um, But overall, I just wish that they gave him a little bit more involvement just to bring some more energy to the table. He's very slow to start with the action, but by the time we get to the second half of episodes, he's really let full, full off the chain, and I really enjoy... They brought some of the best choreographed Star Wars scenes I've ever seen in this series, and to see that that comes from Obi-Wan, who's already been such a cool character all this time, was definitely very satisfying to see. His character arc throughout this series is is dealing with the revelation that Anakin that he did not fully kill Anakin like he thought he did, that he managed to survive, and now he's turned into something much more terrible than ever before. He's he feels as though he's essentially created a monster. He's let down his protege. And that's not not true. I mean, you know, Obi-Wan has done his best, and I, I know that he is earnest, and he did try his best to do right by Anakin. That being said, it doesn't change the fact that under his guidance, Anakin did lose his way. And that's something that Obi-Wan's character has to carry with. A big theme of this entire series is kind of making mistakes in the past and deciding to still live in the future to make better decisions not to just live in the future and just get by but to kind of atone for your sins by trying to make a positive impact in the world reva goes on that journey tala is somewhere along that journey obviously obi-wan feels that way and it's even a layer that's present for darth vader in this series because at least you're playing with that concept. He obviously chooses to double down towards the dark direction, but there are moments where you kind of see uh, that he could have a turnaround moment, but he doesn't take uh, that chance. So I think that really is like the strongest theme that's presented in the series is being able to move forward and make positive decisions despite what you've done in the past. Seeing him gain his confidence slowly throughout this series was definitely satisfying. And I kid you not, that that final fight sequence between him and Vader was the absolute best. Fi- That's my favorite scene in all of Star Wars right now. Visually, thematically, the emotional toll that it, it, it brings through. I mean, this is a long time coming. If you've seen Clone Wars and the prequels, they've built so much into this relationship that I feel like this is the strongest dynamic Star Wars has at this very moment. You know, the even the original series, the relationship between Luke and Darth Vader just isn't this well. There isn't as much history, so there's less satisfaction seeing them go to blows. Same with the newer trilogy. I feel like Kylo Ren and Rey kind of got, reached similar levels of development, but really the, the strongest dynamic is between Vader and Obi-Wan. And that's it's just really interesting. You know, people like to hate on the prequel series, but it birthed what I believe to be the strongest dynamic in Star Wars, period. And then by the end of the series, Obi-Wan is in full form. Even just the way that he carries himself, you know, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan, his confidence, his swagger in that final scene where we see him pull up and get to know Luke for the first time. He carries himself with so much pride and he seems like the hero that I expected Obi-Wan to be from this, you know, at the beginning of the series, he was very humble and he still has that humbleness, but he's embraced himself as kind of the hero now. 
I the series wasn't marketed as having an another season, but now that they've done the work to get Obi Wan back to this place, I want to see more of him in his prime because this feels like prime Obi Wan. Um, I don't know what the next story would be for him in the middle in the mid time, just watching over Luke on Tatooine. It's hard to imagine what's next for him, especially because when we first meet Luke in the first Star Wars movie, it doesn't feel like he's had any of these experiences in the past. I feel like that's kind of a critique of this being still a prequel story is that I have no input. I have no feeling when we first meet Luke that he was chased down by some lady and had her lightsaber aimed at him to kill him potentially. And he's going through all of this nonsense or that he had even had this deep of a relationship with Obi-Wan Kenobi going this far back. I feel like it's hard to have a season two that might involve Luke with, without that feeling like it doesn't really add up that's besides the point i want to see obi-wan go on another adventure because ewan mcgregor at the, by the end of the series he's standing on two firm feet and i can't wait to see more hopefully now darth vader slash anakin this is a lot i save this one for last because i feel like this is the most interesting portrayal that's happening on screen during the series so this is the return of hayden christensen as, as well as james Earl jones we get a lot of his voice acting through the suit as Darth Vader. Darth Vader was handled the most consistently throughout the series. He was displayed so well, and even even the way that they displayed Anakin. What I just really appreciate, it, appreciate is that throughout all the years of Star Wars movies, Darth Vader has always been carried with the same level of respect, uh, ambiance, and threat, and he carries that so consistently throughout the series as well. There were some of Darth Vader's best best moments delivered in this series, and his suit and the mask, it's all so sleek. (laughs) I really enjoyed seeing Darth Vader in his prime again, being a total evil asshole. Um, It's something that you don't get super too much of throughout the Star Wars movies, and anytime you see it, it's an absolute delight. Bringing Hayden Christensen to play flashback versions of Anakin, uh, highlighting his fatal flaw of being over eager and uh, being obsessed with the need to win was definitely a great way to add extra layers to this you know the whole time Darth Vader is insisting that Anakin is dead this has been his insistence forever Anakin is dead only Darth Vader is what's left but that's the reason that they inserted that scene with Hayden Christensen they highlighted his fatal flaw of being so oversighted in his in his goal to achieve victory that he misses the smaller details and that's why Obi-Wan's able to to trick him into losing in their little duel back in the day. They show you that flashback in the same episode that Obi-Wan's able to trick him by distracting him with one big ship and flying off with another. It's exactly what's happening there. So that's just proving that inside Darth Vader, there is still Anakin because he's still falling victim to those same tricks. So despite his insistence, despite all of his insistence that Darth Vader is the only thing that remains and Anakin is dead... It just isn't true. And there's actually another piece of dialogue in here that shows that Anakin is still kicking around in there somewhere. So back to the fight between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. You know, the whole time they're having this epic duel and the way that Obi-Wan fully overcomes Darth Vader and like buries him, very impressive by the way, he doesn't end up killing him. He takes this opportunity to let him know just how sorry he is. I'm so sorry I failed you. You know, he's. this is his chance to try to make an amend because that's, of course, Obi-Wan's always going to try that at the end of the day. He's always going <clears> to <throat> take the path of least violence possible. 
while he's while he's delivering this, we're seeing Darth Vader with a cracked mask. There's half of it is showing his face underneath, uh, you know, what's left of Anakin under there. And the other half is still that firm Darth Vader mask that he's living in. And the audio and his breathing is getting louder and louder. It's getting that's, you know, that same voice, uh, voice breathing that everybody recognizes. The fact that they increase it in this moment is creating such a strong atmosphere for the strong moment that they deliver here. Again, my favorite moment in all of Star Wars. While they're, while he's delivering this dialogue, you're seeing the reflection in Vader's mask and the lighting switch up a little bit. Obviously, Vader's lightsaber is red and Obi-Wan's is blue, and you're getting different reflections of the lightsabers on his face at different times throughout this scene, showing that there is still some type of a dance, some type of a balance of the light and dark still within him. Obviously, that's proven later on when he makes his final sacrifice before he dies way later on in the story. But in this moment, that's what's happening. That's that's what they're highlighting. <clears throat> Vader's response to this is, you didn't kill Anakin. I did. This does two things for Anakin. This confirms to Anakin that that excuse me for Obi-Wan. This confirms to Obi-Wan that Anakin is not around anymore, that he needs to stop holding on to this idea that he can still save his protege and he can look at Vader as his enemy as he needs to do because that's holding him back. So it's a very, it's liberating for o- for Obi-Wan. This is what allows him to move forward kind of unencumbered and start a new foot forward, you know, uh, just to be able to accept that Anakin is dead. He can grieve that and then, you know, act differently accordingly. But what this is really showing, in my opinion, this is really Vader showing his cards. Because even though he says this sentence, I feel like the only purpose of saying this is to relieve Obi-Wan of that guilt. Showing that there is a side of Vader that still wants to ease Obi-Wan's suffering in some way. In a way, I think that they're kind of obsessed with each other and they refuse to let each other die. They, you know, they, <laughs> you know, Obi-Wan walks away and Vader just is left yelling screaming obi-wan you know they kind of don't have it in each other to kind of really finish it even though they keep saying that this is where i need to finish it at least at this point it's it's kind of reminiscent of a batman and joker relationship where they're forever intertwined but they can never quite pull the trigger on each other they're they're uh, tied together in a way but the delivery of anakin slash darth vader you know having hayden christensen's voice and james earl jones voice really highlighting the separation between those two identities was was such a strong indicator of the type of character that Vader is and honestly recontextualized him to me. They added this layer to him where it, it's been a layer that's been there always, sure, this idea of Anakin being within Vader, but they highlighted it here on such a in such a strong way that it actually enriches the character's point of view for me. Vader is such a more interesting character after this series, and I feel like that's what it's done the most. This series has given that extra layer to Vader where his continuity always kind of, you know, obviously Star Wars kind of cross-stitched it together as they were going, kind of making it up as they went along, but this this gives him more firmness to feel like a more well-actualized character. And the same thing for Obi-Wan, too. So all in all, especially at the end of the series, I feel like there was a lot that the series brought to the table. It definitely danced with some pretty interesting ideas and deepened my appreciation for the Star Wars lore overall. 
that being said, it is not without its many faults. Um, there are still a lot of moments in this series that I have to question, is this really Star Wars level storytelling and acting and directing and writing? Uh, I hate I hate to give that kind of critique to it, but it is a little bit valid. Overall, as far as we as far as the live action Disney Plus Star Wars shows go, I definitely enjoyed this more than I did Boba Fett, but I did not enjoy it quite as much as The Mandalorian. At the very least, The Mandalorian was a more consistently good series, whereas I feel like the series did increase in its quality over time, but didn't get really good until about episode four out of six, which ratio wise isn't an over, isn't an overall uh, great hit record. But yeah, that that's going to bring our conversations to a close. Have you seen Obi-Wan? What are your thoughts on it? I'm sure I've got some opinions that not everybody agrees with, such is the way for anyone who's into Star Wars. So I'd love for you to give me some feedback. Let me know what you think. My email is at thedshowpod at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on Instagram and TikTok at the Darius Show. So yeah, if you made it this far, thank you for listening. May the force be with you. And remember, I love you.